Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Almost there, Allie, baby. Almost back home. I know. Tomorrow you'll be back. Everything. Yes, that's right. Having, uh, you had a great time. Had a great time. Been having a great time down here in Connecticut. Um, it's a really good chance, Alice. We have a fat guy, um, an anti-fat um, endorsement coming down. Starring what your do you husband. Mean an anti-fat endorsement? Yes, to lose my uh, primary role. Well, don't you have to lose the primary role in order to endorse something that helps you lose your primary role? Well, we're going to be doing it as it goes. That's how it works. You start off and then to, to make the agreement, and then you go and you and you and you uh, you know you track your well, weight loss. What if it doesn't work? I don't give a flying f it for works, Alice. I I want to get the endorsement. And I'm going to do the thing that they tell me to do. You're breaking up for me a bit. Yeah, it said my internet connection was almost lost. Is it any better well, now? Well, I'm excited to meet the new skinny you when the treatment works, honey. How oh, about that? I will be moving on once I am svelte, Alice. I am sorry about that. That's, from me? Yes, that's how this works, you see. From me? Well, I mean... <laughs> what? <laughs> Alice, if this works and I became skinny and i'm hot well i mean at my age you get a divorce and you start fresh with somebody 20 years younger than you right isn't that the rule no yes i believe we have lost alice Uh, are you still there yeah i'm still here i'm gonna miss this hotel room and this wi-fi i gotta tell you can you hear me alice (laughs) God. It seems really good. I think it's good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I can hear you a tiny bit. <laughs> Do you want me to turn me up or is it just cracking? No, it's just break. It's just going in and out. So turning you up isn't going to help. It's fine. Okay. Well, that's one. As long as you can hear you, you're recording you. So that's uh, 
all right, let's not talk about me anymore. I said some very incendiary things when you couldn't hear me, Alice. I'm sorry about that. Really? <laughs> what did you say? Well, I mean, about there's going to be certain temptations once I'm hot, right? What do you mean? What temptation? What do you mean? What do you? What I mean? This should be a given. I mean, obviously, I'll probably be dating a Victoria's Secret angel, and not Rapinoe, one of the old angels. Mm. <laughs> okay, honey. You know what? I think they usually like to date guys with money. What is that supposed to mean exactly? <laughs> All right, let's just I get to know. this business here. Uh, you know, you don't. You know, my Victoria's Secret angel will will listen to me like she should, and hear my pain. <laughs> All right. Um. Oh, okay. So I don't want to. I don't want to be pissed off and angry, Alice. But tonight mm-hmm. at seven thirty, guess what's happening on the Excellence in Sports Network? A thoughtful. I think you sent this. To yes, me. a thoughtful retrospective of really what I consider a watershed moment, certainly in my own life, but in many lives out there. I just wanted to stand with him during the national anthem to show my support for him, and was appalled by uh, what I had learned. And then as drivers got involved, I think crew members, team managers, team owners, it really started to snowball within a very short period of time. Oh my goodness, this is heavy. Here's the NASCAR CEO. The most incredible, non-competitive moment in sports I've ever seen. Now, that, that I agree with, but not the way he means. <laughs> That moment, I could feel the weight of that moment, and and I think we all did as we were walking. Yeah, I could feel the weight of some absolute tonnage of horse shit. That was absolute bull bleep. Of course, we all know it was. It's uh, there's nothing to it. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm I'm surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I get out of the car. I look back, and I was like, "Holy shit, It's the whole garage. The whole garage." That's when I lost it. So that's Bubba Wallace, obviously, from last year. So what happened last year, as we talked about on the Burn Barrel, is this. Um, a member of Bubba Wallace's a member of Bubba Wallace's crew saw because of the George Floyd stuff and the, we had the whole uh re auditing of uh, of uh, the racist past in the country, a member of mm-hmm. Wallace's crew uh saw a string that you used to pull the garage door closed and decided that the loop was a noose and that it was a hate crime and Wallace went right along with it decided it was a even though you would have to be fooling yourself to really think that you can't really think well that it had been there for like people found video yes, it had been there like the whole I'm year getting I'm getting there absolutely it doesn't matter how long it had been there the fact is it, it was a noose big enough for a mouse so <laughs> it's not a noose it's not a noose. I'm sorry. It's not a noose. It's not a noose if it can't do the thing that nooses do. And it couldn't do the thing that nooses do. It also wasn't a noose, which is a problem. Because if somebody wanted to make it a noose, they could have made it. It wasn't a noose. So that's the thing. So so here's the thing. We all knew there was. it was never a noose. NASCAR couldn't wait to jump into this big performative thing, which was ridiculous. They all walk alongside the car for the guy who wasn't hate crime because there was no noose. It's all make pretend disgusting a horrible a shameful moment make pretend there was no hate crime was no noose it, there was no nothing bubble walls used this thing 
as hoaxy as it is to get himself more famous and to take be a part of the moment because it like it swept so many people away. He found an opportunity to be part of something that felt important and heavy, and he did it because the national mania was there. He decided to embark on it himself. He's a disgusting jerk. Everybody involved in this NASCAR thing is a disgusting jerk. There's no news. There's no. This didn't happen, and so now. Well, not ESPN only is, is there no news it too. In a, in a in ESPN is memorializing it in a special. Uh, tonight to commemorate what didn't happen. They can all add all these somber music and strings that they want, but this is 128% total uncut horse shit. Well, right, and not only was there no noose to start with, so the whole thing is just made up and invented totally out of nothing, but also the assertion that he makes in this video clip that he was like astonished that the whole garage came to stand against racist like did he think they were all racist before that like wow all of them aren't racist like it's so insulting to everybody there well well listen to this alice listen to how salty and bitchy he still is this is part of the promo at the very end listen to him what did it mean when all those people who were so silent on that chat two weeks earlier oh i still don't forget but this, this moment was still important. Um, you know, you, you can let down your guard a little bit, but I don't forget the ones that were silent. So do you know what that's about? It sounds like there was some kind of chat. That's right. So what, what the happened? Event. What happened? No, this is a chat preceding the event. What happened was mm-hmm. this. Uh, some other guy in NASCAR got wasted. You may remember this, and like at a bar and used the N word, wrapped or something, wasted and did something. He didn't use it at anybody. He was just drunk out some night, whatever. So he called Bubba Wallace the next day when he sobered up or whatever, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." And it was just a pile of nerves and this and that. And Bubba Wallace said to him, "Hey man, you know uh, you had the word in your vocabulary right there, so it's not cool because the George Floyd thing was happening, so the movement was on." Or he had, or Armand Aubrey had happened, and Bubba Wallace had decided he'd get in on this. So, so he started ma- making the guy do struggle sessions essentially with him, and talking to him about this, and he really enjoyed doing it. So then, a couple weeks later, they the all these racers have a group chat where they talk to each other uh, about what tires are going to use or this or that. And Wallace got on there, and he started to try to lecture everybody. Hey, guys, this is an important historic moment. We need to all talk about this. Guys, we need to do this. Guys, we need to do this. And they kept talking about, you know, what tires they're going to use and how they're going to get their family tickets and this and that. And he got angry. He got pissed off that nobody's listening to his hectoring and lecturing as the civil rights spokesman for NASCAR. So Wallace was angry, angry as hell that this was happening. Nobody was listening to him because they don't, they're blowing it off because they don't consider themselves racist and they don't Time for the, the, this lecture from this self-important guy. So then, shock of all shocks, Alice, there's a noose handle in his garage. And then they fall in line, which is part of the story right. I didn't know about until now. Yeah, so he was mad that he wasn't being anointed the race whisperer of NASCAR. And then he got a noose hate crime on him. Exactly. And then they fell in line. That's why you hear this this bitterness in his voice. What did it mean when all those people who were so silent on that chat two weeks earlier? Oh, I still don't forget. But 
this this moment was still incredible. how non-christian is that to not forget i'll never forget they didn't listen to me they didn't, they didn't acknowledge how important i was at that moment important um you know you, you can let down your guard a little bit but i don't forget the ones that were silent well, and what has he done with his big platform now, like, to improve lives for, of black Americans in the country? He's improved Bubba Wallace's life. I don't well, forget yeah, the ones who are Well, yeah, he's more famous now and ones has who probably silent. endorsement deals and whatever. I don't forget the ones who are silent, he says, as if he's entitled to impress into you his wisdom. I'll never forget. Shut up. Like, you have this weird guff. With people because right. they wouldn't indulge you with your freaking ego over something. Well, and it seems like everybody at ESPN managed to forget that they caused a whole FBI investigation that resulted in discovering that it was just a garage door handle. Of course, but also shame on the FBI because <laughs> the FBI knew from the get-go. They sent all the agents down. They waited some days. They knew from the get-go this was nothing. <laughs> That's why the only reason they sent 12 people down is because they were in on the performance of it. Let's make sure it looks like we're taking this super serious, guys. Okay. The NASCAR people said, let's make sure that we, we, we pretend we believe it, too. Walk alongside the car. Okay. It was just such a, a, a an orchestrated fraud. My goodness. It's uh, incredible. And there was nothing to this. And even the NASCAR, the official photo they release is a cropped photo where you can't tell the size of the door pole, which is not a noose, which I had a guy tweet about tonight who's mad at me for saying it's a fake. fake. It's incredible that these people think the whole thing. Whatever happened with all the nooses in Connecticut at the Amazon place? Uh, I don't know. We've heard rumors, but I don't know. I assume there's nothing to it. I assume there's nothing to it. You know, some look more noosey than others, but why not? I mean, why wouldn't you just create a problem right there if you're a race hustler? Why not? Um, here is, by the way, Barbara Wall's little montage of him being salty after the FBI said they, were, they couldn't find anything. I'm, uh, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm, I'm mad because people are trying to test my character and the person that I am and my integrity. None of the, the, the allegations of, of being a hoax will, will, will break me or tear me down. Uh, the, the, right there are two tests right now that he f- has failed. That is classic. I can't be, people will challenge my integrity. They'll challenge my integrity, but I'm not going to let you tear me down. How's Jesse Smollett is that? Right. Not going to let you do it. It was a noose that was either, whether tied in 2019 or, or whatever, it was a noose. So it wasn't directed at me, but somebody tied a noose. That's what I am saying. And first of all, somebody tying a noose, which wasn't tied. First of all, it wasn't that. And also remember the contention was that it was a hate crime against him. This is so well, right. it's interesting and how incredibly intellectually lazy normal Americans allowed themselves to be last year to accept the narrative, you know, at all costs to, to show that they're really good. Right. I mean, the type of knot that a noose is wouldn't even be useful as a door pull because it would tighten up when you tried to pull it. Right. Right. Like, it doesn't make noose, any right. sense as a contention that the thing's a noose because they've been using it to close the garage door now for months and months. Like, and he knows that he's been there. He's been using the garage door pull or his crew has no problem around him and nobody's said anything until now. Like, it's not even, it doesn't even rise to the level of a hoax. Like, what Jesse Smollett did was a hoax because that involved, like, he paid people to pretend to beat him up and, like, pretend to mm-hmm. put a noose on him. So that's like a hoax. This doesn't even rise to the level of a hoax. This is just a person 
pretending with us and demanding that we all pretend with him that something is happening that didn't even happen. Like, it, it's it's too lazy to be ca- called a hoax. Well, but also, he said even that the noose was tied at all. Let's say it was a noose, which it wasn't. A uh, noose has to be visible to the person it's meant to intimidate in order to be something. Or else it doesn't transmit. The fact right. that there are nooses in the world somewhere, possibly, that ain't good enough. Uh, it's just so, it's so, in, in, uh, it just, it's fine. Or fine. It's just the country's stupid. And they played this game and it, it was just gross. Just gross. And then, of course, NASCAR immediately, it's fascinating. NASCAR had this done so quickly. Then he got rid of all Confederate flags right there. In time, which is really something you know, just comes out of the marketing department when they said when they saw the George Floyd stuff happening, said, "All right, guys, let's make our move right here. Here's our opportunity," and they did. Yeah, the whole thing is totally orchestrated and ridiculous. It's even this ESPN special on it. Like they're still trying to make hay out of this thing that's not a thing that happened. Right. There's um I mean, they're just trying to like meme it into reality, right? To if they're like if we pretend long enough that this thing happened, a bunch of people are going going to go around thinking that, you know, Bubba Wallace had this hate crime perpetrated against him or that at least there's like some question or some ambiguity about it when there's no ambiguity. Nothing happened. Right. So So they really you know, making- they're just churning up the water and muddying it for everybody to make it seem like well maybe there was some racist who did something and trying to create doubt about this thing when everybody should be going around reassured that there aren't people uh putting nooses in nascar bays to intimidate black people right like shouldn't we all just take that news and be like this is great america's not as racist as i thought nobody went around and put a noose in a nascar garage right, right? so <laughs> All right. I like, move- shouldn't we be happy? I don't get. I don't get why no. there are so many people who are determined to go around being miserable. Well, you're right. I mean, Alice, the killing of George Floyd was also not a racist attack. <laughs> sorry, there was no racism. I'm sorry. It, it just the whole thing. Twenty twenty was a complete theatrical event. Mm-hmm. It was the the false premise that this happens all the time. You say their names, like uh, yeah, you can say their names, but their names generally have been re- reduced or uh, reduced every year. And there's lots of their names who are white as well. And it's not like cops are going around looking to kill people. Yeah, of course they're of course cops aren't going around looking to kill people for the most part. I mean, there's always bad people out there in every sure. profession, and you know, cops tend to be a profession with a lot of power over people but i mean trying to shoehorn reality into your chosen narrative about america and race is just it doesn't it doesn't work if you if you do like the tiniest bit of digging under the surface of the claims at all at all i mean we talked about this a bit today because they're trying to remove this statue of this guy mason in connecticut because he was mean to pequot indians or whatever which was great by the way thank you for sending that that was great i used it on the air 
Oh yeah. So I like I was curious. So I went and looked him up and like what he's in trouble for and what he did. And he did like burn this Indian fort and probably killed a bunch of people there that he didn't have to. But you know, he went after the Indian fort because the Indians had laid siege to the whole you know, Fort Saybrook and people couldn't leave it. And they were like kidnapping and killing people, including in the most recent attack, 30 people. And, you know, they went, that's, that's why they went out and attacked that Indian group. And then they chased the remainder of them, like across the state. And eventually they left the state and tried to join another tribe, which subsequently killed them and sent their heads and hands back to the, the Europeans. So, Unclear how that's a genocide, but okay. I mean, close enough. Right, I there guess. are no heroes, if, but you've got this in Connecticut. It's a maniac uh, state rep who's trying to get rid of the statue because, and yes, the Pequot massacre was bloody and awful, but it's just one of many, many things that were bloody and awful at the time. But the thing is, okay, so they were killing settlers as well, brutally uh, killing, raping kidnapping brutalizing etc settlers mm-hmm. as well and then this this was a, a charge against the the pequots and they lit it on fire and then they ran away and the fire happened and they're all in the, in battle all this stuff is happening since when does some moon bat legislator who lives in some leafy suburb get to know the correct or uh, you know act of war that's acceptable and isn't in 1626, exactly. That that she knows better. No, that kind of killing is okay. That one was okay. That one was okay. But no, this one was not okay. There was a lot of killing of women and children. It was not a good time. If you're not a fan of killing of women and children, don't read about the 1600s in the Indian Wars. Don't, okay? Right. And, and especially, it's especially interesting because the implication is that somehow this was like some kind of genocide, that the motivation for killing Native Americans was because like white people didn't like them. But in fact, much of this was driven by, um, you know, competition between different Native American tribes over trade routes and trade agreements. And, you know, they would impinge on each other's territory and get mad at each other. And these ones would be allied with these Europeans and these ones would be allied with the Dutch and this and that. And they would, you know, they they killed a British person that they assumed was Dutch. And then the British people were mad at that. Like, it's complicated. And there's a lot of back and forth. And it's not as simple as Europeans were racist and they came and killed all the Indians because they're mean. You know, like, the real, the real, like, genocide, quote unquote, happened 100 years before that, when, you know, European diseases to which Native Americans had no natural immunity wiped out 90% of the population in the Americas. So, and that had already happened by the time any of these people in North America had gotten there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I mean, did that contribute to the sort of chaos and power vacuum and all these little warring tribes that were up there in New England at this time? Absolutely it did. But, you know, it it wasn't an intentional act by any European well, person. Well, if, if and was, in fact, I... If it was, Al, if, 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 if it's considered intentional, even though it was uh, by accident, well, then I think we have something to discuss with the Chinese Do we? There is a um, pandemic. Oh, right. Uh, This most recent one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think you could make a case, too, that it also contributed to making the situation for Europeans in North America more difficult, too. The fact that there were all these warring tribes and that, you know, there were so few Native Americans left here when they got here, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't think they were looking to just like wander into an empty country either. But um well, I think they would have been fine with it probably. Although they certainly needed the assistance. Yeah, they wouldn't have survived probably and they were, you know, they were trading you know, I, with the Native Americans right. big they, time, they like in terms of the trade. fur trade and right. stuff. Like it would, I think. Well, I mean, this is totally a counterfactual, so who knows? But you know, I think in some ways their lives would have been easier if there had been, you know, still a more established civilization in the Eastern United States at that time when they arrived. But, but I mean, who, like I say, who knows? The whole thing, it, but like all history, it's messy and complicated. And when you're trying to like fit it into your pre-established narrative that you've come up with, like white people, bad Native Americans, good and innocent, th- things just don't neatly fit into those boxes, you know? So y- you're not, they like to go around and say like they did this in our town when they wanted to like change a sign of, that was about somebody killing a Native American. They were like, we're just trying to put the true, more nuanced history on there. No, you, you, know, you don't want to put the true, more nuanced history on there you're not interested in nuance you're interested in pushing your own narrative of the way things were and who's at fault and trying to make white kids grow up guilty for something that they have no control over and is so far removed and alien to their own life experience that they can only begin to imagine what life was like for any of those people native american or colonials at that time i mean frankly the Native Americans and colonists at that time had way more in common life experience and understanding of the world than people now do with either one of them. The idea that we're somehow like the European settlers in a way that we're not like those Native Americans, it doesn't even hold up to scrutiny. You know, we're completely different from both of those groups. We inhabit a totally different universe and life experience. You know, it's it's something we can read about in a book, but it doesn't bear a lot of relation to what our own lives are like now. So to try and connect it in that way in a straight line to modern American culture just doesn't even make any sense. It's stupid. Completely agree completely agree what's larry doing uh she's upset i think she wants to go out one sec okay i'll tell the people a story then that maybe i'll tell you later so i went out today to find another nike missile site in a place called plainville connecticut i drove down this really creepy road it was near dusk really creepy road that was stopped being an official road and got to the area where the nike missile site was supposed to be and i came upon you back yeah i'm back what happened I don't know. They, I don't hear Peppa anymore, but I yelled to them. Oh, okay. So I looked for a Nike missile site in Plainville, and I drove to where it was, and down this really creepy road, closed road. Alice, you know, we've gone down a few of these, right? Mm-hmm. You and I, like the Stonemobile roads, et cetera. The road was closed, and I was just still driving there, and it said surveillance cameras. And I'm like, really? This is... So I'm driving and driving, and I get to the point, the place where the Nike missile, there's a little a driveway going up where the Nike missile thing is supposed to be up there. But I'm in the middle, Alice, at that point, of an abandoned neighborhood. It's old houses with no one in mm. them. And I said, you know what? I am not getting out of this freaking car right now. I had nobody with me. I was like... Uh, no, thank you. So I got, I just drove away. So I didn't quite see it, but I got close to it. It's so, it's so interesting. Damn, you know, this whole, you know what Connecticut is? It's got all these huge hills with all these old missile facilities and all these 
radio and cell towers where suddenly it's you go up to these all these blowing wind fields on these harsh hills that overlook all the cities. You know what this is? This is um, a Lando Calrissian's planet, his <laughs> ship. That's what it reminds me of. It's a bunch of these of Landos, and yeah, Luke hung onto a cell tower there for a few minutes, right? That's what it's Cloud City. That's what that's what yeah. Connecticut is. A bunch of cloud cities. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh, so, oh, by the way, speaking of another great thing in Connecticut, I just found this tonight. Did you see this? It's a hit the news now that Richard Blumenthal gave a talk in front of the Connecticut people. I said that to you today. Oh, you, oh is that what you? Oh, I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. in, in front of the Connecticut People's World Committee, which is officially a communist party <laughs> in Connecticut, which is fine. And so Blumenthal, he, he, it's, it's just... I mean, I I've more felt awful about the idea of having to sit through 20 minutes of his stuff. But here's him like saying, thanks for bringing me up here. Thank you so much. Uh, I am really excited and honored to be with you today and to share this remarkable occasion. Right. So he does, it's a rubber chicken dinner. He doesn't know. It is kind of a couple things jump out at me. One, the, the lead communist, uh, a woman named... Um, what is her name? Name Lisa Bergman is. Oh, does he want to go out? Does she want to go out? Hello. Have you gone? Maybe she's gone. Anyway, the woman who leads the thing is named Lisa Bergman. She's really one of the more attractive communists I've seen. Um, but another thing that kind of blew me away, and for this I'll have to wait for Alice, is that they had some audiovisual trouble, and that's not. I understand that. I've been there. I have uh, suffered in that way as well. But they also debuted this uh, band. Not not debuted. I guess they've been around for a while. But they had a band play. And the band is called... All right. You back? I have you? I'm back. I'm back. All right. Is Pepper taken care of? The kids are letting her out. So so the, the Communist uh, Awards dinner, it was like the Oscars for the Communists, <laughs> was fine and Blumenthal gave a speech but before that Alice they talked mm-hmm. about in the 1970s that that, um, that black activists got together with Native American activists and created the Afro-Algonquin sound like this music so this band called Afro-Algonquin played and I have known um, black certainly western black music and I've been a fan of, of for instance, some jazz and ragtime, swing, uh, blues, certainly, rock and roll, etc. And I think it's wonderful. And, uh, you know, without it, my precious Beatles would not have been who they are. Um, but, it, and I'm not all that familiar with Algonquin music. But we're starting fresh here, Alice. But mm-hmm. I need to know from you. So here's, I'm going to play a little bit of the song that they were playing. I'm not sure... This is great. Okay? So I'm going to need you to help me here. Here we go. Okay. Hold on. It's coming back. I am not sure that that 
is acceptable music in any culture <laughs> ever in the history of mankind. Well, cultures are really different. No, no, they're not. They're not that different. We're all human beings, Alice. There's <laughs> no way the Algonquin sat around and said, "You know what? That's really that's a nice tune. I like that." Ricky, what was the one you were playing before? Can you do you mind doing? That is really good. You know what? I found myself I couldn't get out of my head all day. <laughs> that is rubbish. Oh wow, Tom. What? I'm not about to say it's rubbish. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um I have news that'll cheer you up though. You are pregnant. No. Okay. Good to know that that would cheer you up, though. I'll bear that in it mind. It would not, obviously. Although, we get more tax money, right? Um. Yeah, we won, I guess. Nice. So, uh, speaking of communists, there is a movement that is now sweeping the nation, honey, including our very own Boston. Oh, interesting. Spurred on by success at locations such as Pavement and uh, oh, no. Starbucks <laughs> in Buffalo. Oh, no, that's great. That is crazy. Employees in Boston are also moving to unionize. So this is great. This is great. And this is from WGBH yesterday. Actually, a listener sent us this today. Um, and and this is uh, from WGBH last night. Employees at two Boston area Starbucks location began steps to form a union Monday, following the chain's first U.S. union victory last week in Buffalo, New York, and a growing labor movement of cafe workers across the greater Boston area. This is an amazing time for the labor movement across the country, barista Tyler Daguerre, 26, told WGBH News in an interview Monday. I think a lot of workers are feeling like we're not being given the wages we deserve. We're not being given the autonomy we deserve, and it's time for that to change. As of Monday, 36 of 47 employees at locations in Brookline and Alston signed cards indicating their intent to unionize, according to organizing committee members working with the Workers United <laughs> Labor Union. <laughs> we want to ensure our voices are heard and that we have equal power to affect positive change for our store, district, and company. They want equal power to the people at Starbucks corporate, honey. The employees wrote in a letter to Starbucks president and CEO Kevin Johnson Monday, as partners and core contributors to the company's success, we deserve respect. Uh, Workers United collaborated on the unionizing efforts in Buffalo. Uh Kyla Clay, 23, a barista in the Alston location and a member of the organizing committee, said she sees this as the beginning of a national movement to unionize the labor force, particularly at corporations and in food service. The more people, the more stores that organize and come together, the stronger we are, Clay said in an interview to GBH Alice, News Monday. Alice, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. this means. You know, uh, who's, you know who's coming to town. Ah, uh, the Rossanne Williams, the president of Starbucks North America, and her team came into Buffalo to try to come around. That means Rossanne Williams is coming. Mm-hmm. And that means she will be doing things like emptying the trash, like helping out, like talking to people. Yeah. Ross and Williams. Mm-hmm. It's come to this. Heads are uh, Seeing them being able to do it very quickly at pavement and seeing the pushback from Starbucks when the Buffalo partners tried doing the same thing showed me how much we need it. 
Ash O'Neill, 21, a barista at an Alston location, uh, told GBH News on Monday, it's important we stand up and say, no, we do deserve a voice in this company. We do deserve a voice in what's going on in our everyday operations, since we're the ones who are out there every day making the coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Employees Starbucks say they've not heard back from management. Starbucks did not. We're more than employees. We're partners. So I think that creates an environment where people already expect a different relationship and a different power dynamic than what the reality is. We want to be true partners. We want to sit at the table. We don't want decisions made for us. And we want Starbucks to make good on that. Here, here. We're seeing with this mm -hmm. generation that well, we couldn't even begin to have a conversation about raising a family on the salary that we're being offered. I really hope that as we have success here in Buffalo and as that success moves outward to the rest of the country, that we are able to improve those outcomes across the board for everyone. So. I'm really hopeful. If we're successful here, we I have deserve a real to chance be able to raise a family on my coffee making salary. Barista, change what it means to be a bartender, change what it means to be waitstaff. It will. As a matter of fact, it will mean that a bartender and a waitstaff is a robot. Right. Uh, so, but, you know, Kyla Clay knows about Roxanne Williams and uh, is not intimidated. It's Roxanne. We knew as soon as they found. Roxanne. What? Roxanne. Oh, it's Ross Ann? Ross Ann. It's one it's a one formidable name. Formidable name. Okay. Okay. Uh, we knew as soon as they found out the response was going to be difficult, Clay told GBH News. We hosted a meeting to literally just go over all of the anti-union tactics and things we need to prepare for. Anti-union tactics. Things they'll try and fire us for. Anti-union tactics. Like, like, do you guys mind um, getting out of the break room together, uh, organizing and going to make coffees? Briefly, do you mind that? We had support managers from all over the country. That's what Starbucks calls them, support managers. The quotes are necessary because they're not really here to support us. In fact, they're here solely to come into our store, make sure that there's not any time, that there's not management watching. We used to talk about the union at work. We were signing up people, talking about organizing as we were making drinks. Uh-oh. Go ahead, my dear. Daguerre says he expects corporate management to step in and conduct listening sessions and other attempts to sweeten the pot and prevent the union from being formed before the NLRB can count the votes, but he isn't scared. I'm really confident in my fellow baristas and partners at Starbucks, and I'm really confident that people in general know we're doing the right thing, Daguerre said. If it's the right thing and the law is on our side, we can't lose. Um, sir, so just, just FYI, out, sir, I just want to let you know, in case you haven't been reminded in a while, you make coffee. Okay. You make coffee. Um, it's not the um, United Farm Workers, sir. This is, uh, this is not the, um, the jungle. Uh, you know, this is, this is not the beginnings of the labor movement uh, against uh, U.S. Oh, Steel. But Go ahead. I guess it. Oh, but it might own? be because uh, apparently, so we missed some of these stories, but the GBH article mentions a few more um, that there was actually in September a second independent cafe group uh, attempted to unionize in Massachusetts, Darwin's Limited in Cambridge, with four locations, um, and they have uh, decided to form a union as well. They are, I'm not sure what the outcome of this was, but anyway, that was in September and employees at three Somerville coffee shops last week actually began steps to form a union. On December 6th, uh, GBH reported they were forming a union at uh, Diesel Cafe, Block Cafe and Forge Baking Company, which share a management team. 
they requested voluntary recognition of their organizing effort with the New England Joint Board Unite Here Union in a letter sent to management Monday morning. Employees are seeking structural changes, including a framework for wage increases. Side by side with you, we have worked tirelessly over the past year to keep our cafes afloat amidst the seismic changes wrought by the pandemic, employees wrote in a letter to owners Tucker Lewis and Jennifer Park and Chief Operating Officer Court Verhalen. Looking to the future, we urge you to see that unionization is our company's best option and greatest hope to achieve sustainability, establish stability, and engage our entire community with care and compassion. Um, so the management team said that the owners are doing their best to dive in and learn the process and terminology as quickly as possible and are committed to making the workplace the best it can be for our staff in an email to GBH News on Monday. When asked about increasing transparency around wages and promotions, uh, Jennifer Park wrote, we are 100% behind that. So uh, I think think we're seeing a case of liberal uh, Cambridge business owners not thinking that the the beast was going to come and try and eat them, but right, and they is, don't want to be. So. They don't want to be against it in spirit, so they're saying, "Oh, we're excited about this, and that's fine." And so they're just going to go. The private ones will go out chapter eleven, because uh, how do we suppose the pricing is going to be for uh, non-union coffee versus union coffee? Uh, I would say union coffee might be a little pricier. I would say so, and I would also think that jazz. Uh, will have a specific role in job title uh, going forward and that she shall not both grind coffee and pour coffee she shall not be the one who who is the herald who lets uh you know bill know that his coffee is done and if she is she's not going to be the bathroom cleaning person as well so it is going to get very tricky in there and uh, to be quite honest alice i'm all for it i saw starbucks come i'm happy to see them go <laughs> And uh, and pavement and uh, right. diesel cafe block is cafe forge baking maybe, other company than maybe Alice other than maybe the Apple Store is there any other place at all where so many underachievers are so self important? <laughs> really, I saw the Apple Store the other day. I got to tweet this out, uh, and there are it, well, it was a pathetic sight actually. But I'm I guess I'm just old. But I was at the mall and all the Apple Store. It's before 11 a.m. It opens at 11. It's like 10:55. I'm going to the fat section of J.C. Penney, and oh, there's a crowd of like 30 people outside waiting to get in because every zillennial needs to go to the Apple Store for help on something. And in the Apple Store, against the back wall, they're all sitting and getting a pep talk. By one guy and one girl saying, all right, guys, team, we're going to do this. And they're doing, like, really pep talk stuff, which I thought about, man, I've been I've been through so many like, orientation, like, role-playing things. And I thought, for, just out of respect for them, I wanted to drive my car off of a cliff. And just because I've been there, I've been an employee where if somebody's doing that, I'm saying, what am I doing with my life? But But can you imagine getting the pep talk? Here we go, guys. Listen, I want you to remember a few things when we go out there. We want to have positive outcomes when we go out there. We want to have fun. We want to make... Oh, my God. It's the worst thing in the world. It's the self-importance. Just go and get through your miserable job. I'm sorry about that. And the thing is about, this, about these people who work at Starbucks is, you know, they're highly educated. They're no doubt in college loan debt. They're highly educated on paper, but they are skillless. 
and they they may have had a lot of fun and really got a lot of stuff ingrained in their heads in college, but they have been pushed out of some really good colleges uh, or finished, uh, come off the factory floor of some really good colleges with not a clue on how to be a success. Right. And so... Right. It's, it's, and it's not impossible, by the way, to be really good at working in a cafe or in the restaurant industry and move up the ranks of that industry and be better at it and be a success in it. No, absolutely absolutely not. I totally agree. But if you want to be a revolutionary or a uh, a labor advocate or anything else important, there's a way to really do it or you can make pretend with your um, with your extremely tolerant boss in the cafe <laughs> where you work, giving people... Hot bean deposit. And once again, I'm not trying to belittle it. Believe, I am a job away from being a partner myself, I assure you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I think those jobs require skill to be good at them. And a lot of people don't want to put the work in to be good at... at Alice, don't sell it know. too too much. No, I think that I think that there's a difference between employees don't suck in those jobs well i don't know how you pa- get drummed out of the starbucks i don't know he just couldn't nail <laughs> it he, he couldn't grind he just he lost his edge he couldn't couldn't grind it got to him he- there was somebody that i knew when i was a lifeguard one of our lifeguards has been had been fired from a bagel place it might have been it might have been brugers i don't remember but it was definitely a bagel place um and and they told him that uh, he wasn't cut out for the fast-paced work environment <laughs> of, of the bagel place. Uh, <laughs> so that's who's making sure your kid doesn't drown at certain sports clubs, just saying. <laughs> they couldn't handle the pace of the bagel place, but there, if there's a drowning, just saying. Hey, I have a question for you. What is the mm-hmm. deal with the, with the, with the Trump tweets? Trump tweets with the tweets that that people are saying, oh, this is terrible. Like Liz Cheney read tweets from Fox News. Oh, text news. Text. Text. Sorry. So basically, Fox needed to act immediately. They texted Mr. Meadows, and he has turned over those texts. Quote: Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, He's got to condemn this ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, Donald Trump Jr. texted. Meadows responded, quote, I'm pushing it hard. I agree. Still, President Trump did not immediately act. Donald Trump Jr. texted again and again, urging action by the president, quote, we need an Oval Office address. He has to lead now. It has gone too far and gotten out of hand, end quote. But hours passed 
without necessary action by the President. These non-privileged texts are further evidence of President Trump's supreme dereliction of duty so, during those 100— So, uh, here's my question. People are condemning Fox yeah. News for this. I don't—shouldn't they be lauded for all of these? Aren't these all great texts well, to put at the, the so, I don't see the, the problem here. The contention, is, the contention is that they were saying one thing in private to Mark Meadows and not saying that on the air on their shows. You know, oh. that they were like all for it on TV, which I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, and I mean, I think that those texts completely undercut the whole notion that this was some plot by anybody, because obviously, like, wouldn't Don Jr., who was at the rally earlier in the day, have been in on it if there was a plot to steal the election? Right. You know, and not urging Trump not to do it. It's essentially, they were all saying... You know, Don Jr. was saying and Hannity was saying and Laura Ingram was saying the same thing that you and I said that day, right. which is that there was a riot at the Capitol. Things got out of hand and Trump needs to get out here and address this. And he didn't for way, way, way too long. Like that's we were both mad at him for that. And it, like the obviously other people felt the same way. Um, but. I mean, I think that it hurts the narrative that it was a plot. But now they so now they're pivoting to this idea that, you know, that this was terrible that Trump did this and even Hannity and Junior knew it. So that proves that Trump's really bad and they didn't call him out on it on TV, just in private. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess uh, I guess I guess some I don't know what they said on their on their shows. But I mean, I think probably, they were softer about it on their show, yeah, but I don't think I mean, like, I don't think there is that much hypocrisy here because you can you can still think that the election was stolen from Trump and that they should have voted to reject the ballots or whatever. And you can think that the riot was inappropriate and out of control and that Trump didn't handle it appropriately as president of the United States, right? Like, both things can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. And I think that if anything, like, if you had a plot to steal the election by throwing out these ballots, the riot sure didn't help you with it. Like, it did the opposite. Right. They lost votes for rejecting the yeah. ballots because the riot happened. Yeah, so I mean, they're making a thing out of that, but also, I mean, there is so much bad news for Biden now. I understand why the, the networks want to spend so much time talking about this. I but it's really that, nothing, like well, you said. Like, what's the deal with this? Like, it's right. not, it's not that impressive. A smoking gun, frankly. Right. And I think that although the day was terrible, uh, I'm sorry, you can't have Democrats investigate this. Democrats pretended to have a thoughtful impeachment vote on this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sorry right. about that. It's not, it's whatever. You can find out what happened, and I'd be interested in to see what how all these factions, how they happened as well. But I think- No, I is, mean, it's just a distraction yeah. because the news for Biden just gets worse and worse. Today, the producer price index came out, which is the inflation index for, um, you know, inputs to things. So not what we're paying at the store, but what like the suppliers are paying for the supplies they need to make the goods that are going to end up in the store. And that jumped 9.6% since last year, beating expectations. And it's the highest number they have on record since they first started recording this number in 2010. So uh, that's not good because it means that the consumer inflation is not done uh, hitting us. When there's producer price inflation, it means that there's consumer price inflation coming down the pike for the rest of us. So 
Uh, it's not great news. Uh, you know, I the markets didn't like it. The Fed doesn't like it. We're way far away from using the transitory language. It's it's not a good thing. I can't believe it wasn't bigger news today because it seems like really bad to me actually right. that this is uh, happening. But well, I guess we're tra-la-la, like we don't well, want to talk but, about but it. Instead, we're point. yelling at meat companies. I guess it's a great now point, is the Alice, thing but that we're also doing. at the same time. You know, I we talked about today and in, in my show in Connecticut, but it's it's all of New England is they expect rolling blackouts. This if we have several days in a row of mm-hmm. of bad cold freezing and bad weather then they expect because the iOS which is the the governing body that decides uh who divvies out the electricity you know they deal uh, in fossil fuels they need gas and natural gas and etc to create electricity and they're saying there's a shortage of it and if everybody mm-hmm. runs all their stuff at once on the grid they're going to have to toggle down the grid and do rolling blackouts and they expect to be doing it and there's not enough LNGs out there to get in. And unfortunately for people, Alice, there's also uh, the supply chain stuff has made it so you can't find generators. You can't find, you know, gas pellet stoves. I mean, we got a real problem here if we get a freezing spell this winter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it. there's a lot of stuff that people have taken in for granted taken for granted in this country that it just works and it just goes and that you can just buy food and you can just heat your house and you can do that stuff and aside from like a couple exceptions here and there when there's like a big storm or something those things have generally held up for most people's entire lives in the united states Mm -hmm. and uh it doesn't matter how much they talk about sean hannity's texts last january if people can't heat heat their houses this winter uh biden's gonna have a problem correct i would say Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We are at uh, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, BurnBarrelPodcast.com. You can write us an email, BurnBarrelPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, find us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Uh, if we're not somewhere that you want us to be, just let us know and we'll see if we can get it put up there. Say la vie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.